1: Sometimes we just get tired of fighting Sometimes we just get tired of fighting And you know why we get tired of fighting? Because we're trying to fight the battle ourselves, folks It's God's battle We're trying to fight the battle ourselves And we become tired I hear pastors burning out Well, burnout tells me That you're doing too much on your own flesh And not enough through the Holy Spirit Because if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work You're always energized You're always ready to go There should be no burnout in ministry.
0: Joshua reminds us that we will always have land to conquer. It's important to know that we will always have to engage in a spiritual battle as believers. Our battle and weapons are spiritual, but very real. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind us that the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. Look expectantly to him for the victory. And here's Pastor Dave with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio. Shiloh was a name used
1: for the Messiah. So... They moved the tabernacle to Shiloh, where the Messiah will be. And they centered their lives around the Messiah. That's what we do. We center our lives around the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We center our lives around him. So they moved it, and they set it up there, and it'll last there for 300 years. Verse 2. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not received their inheritance, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God, your fathers, had given you? Joshua, I love Joshua. He says, hey guys, why do you think we came here? Why do you think we came all that way to come in this promised land to sit on each other's lap? No, no, no. There's a whole great big land here that God wants you to have. You need to go out and conquer it. You need to go out and take it and claim what is rightfully yours. How long will you neglect to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? I bet if I lined up $20 bills on the stage all the way down and told you to come up and find the name on a $20 bill because there's one for everybody of you, How long would it take you to get up to this stage to get that $20 bill? In fact, some of you might hurt others on the way up. You get the picture. God has given Israel this land flowing with milk and honey. He has given them a prized possession. And they're sitting around going, well, what do you think we should do now? I don't know. What do you think we should do? How long are you going to neglect this? Could it be that these people were so used to wandering that they needed more guidance? It's probably more than likely that they couldn't settle because every time a crisis happened, they ran. Every time a problem happened, they ran. One minute they're on the coast, something happens and they run inland. Something happens and they run to the mountains. Something happens and they run here. They're so used to wandering around for 40 years, they can't get into there. Do you know anybody like this? Do you know anybody who won't get roots and stay? There are Christians who have have left the wilderness behind. They've received the empowerment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They've come into the victorious life, but they will not be locked into a specific territory or a specific congregation. Instead, they wander. They're wanderers. Santos sang about that from Dion, the wanderer. They're looking for something, but they won't grow in the Holy Spirit. I'm not speaking about those people that have been involved in a fellowship for years and years and years and then left. I'm talking about people who can't seem to settle. They won't grasp onto what the Lord is doing. They don't get rooted and grounded. They won't let the Lord stretch them. And when the Lord stretches them, they fold. They neglect to possess what God has given them. They neglect to possess all of what God wants. Oh, my. To be the victorious Christian, we must want everything. Everything God has for us, we must want it because it's ours for the taking. Joshua's question to these tribes was, when are you going to stop floating around? Sink some roots somewhere and put up a fight. Claim your territory for the kingdom of God. These tribes were slow to respond to the challenge. They were certainly a lot like Caleb or Zelophehad daughters. Remember Zelophehad daughters, they came to Joshua, we won our land. We want our land that Moses gave us. Give it to us. They weren't like that. They didn't have the faith and the spiritual zeal they needed to follow God's plan. Many of us don't give God a chance to show us His plan before we move on. We want so desperately to hear from God, but we don't wait until He shows us. Instead, we move on. And we get in trouble when we move on. And we're not happy where we move. I know people that have moved away that have moved away from this great state of New Jersey. Imagine that. And they're not happy. Why? Because everything they moved away from came with them in their U-Haul trailer. They didn't know that why they were packing up their stuff. Satan was in there going, don't forget this problem. Don't forget this problem. Don't forget this. He was packing all those stuff up too. And then they're unloading in their brand new house going, isn't this great? Wait a minute. What do you mean we have financial problems? We had financial problems back there in Jersey. That's why we left. Those things just follow you. I had an addiction back there. Now I got one here. It follows you. We had relationship problems. Well, you didn't take care of the giants that were in the land where you were. You didn't roll up your sleeves and say, okay, Lord, show me. Show me what to do. And that's what's happening. See, He says, the land that God has already given you. The battle has been won. All we need to do is claim what is rightfully ours. Yeah. Claim what is rightfully yours. The battle's over, fellas. Claim it. He's asking us to stand up and take a stand for him. Duke it out a little bit. Get your nose dirty a little bit. Duke it out and fight. Knowing that in our heart, God is in control. God has taken this. But these tribes, these tribes even helped defeat the enemy. These tribes had a hand in defeating all the enemy. And now it says that the land was subdued. You saw that in verse 1. The land was subdued. So basically the land was quiet. And now they're sitting back and saying, oh, this was cool. This was great. And they didn't go and do what they wanted to do with their land. They hesitated to claim their inheritance. Now, many commentators call them lazy and slothful. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. And I have some reasons. I have some reasons. You know, sometimes we just get tired of fighting. Sometimes we just get tired of fighting. And you know why we get tired of fighting? Because we're trying to fight the battle ourselves, folks. It's God's battle. We're trying to fight the battle ourselves, and we become tired. I hear of pastors burning out. Well, Burnout tells me that you're doing too much on your own flesh and not enough through the Holy Spirit. Because if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work, you're always energized. You're always ready to go. There should be no burnout in ministry. There's a tiring though, but we get tired of the fight. We get tired of the fight because we haven't allowed the Lord to take it completely away. Come on. Many of you know that there's an area in your life. There is an area in your life today. That every time you think you've conquered it, a few months later, here it comes again. That same area comes right back and faces you like, wait a minute. I thought we were through this. Then you go through the whole problem of fighting with it and getting it down. And all of a sudden, whoo! a couple months later, here it comes again. Because you haven't submitted to God. You haven't given God all that he needs to have. You haven't possessed what is yours in Christ Jesus. See, we have the answer. We have the answer his name is Jesus Christ. People get tired. People say, I don't want to take that one. That one's too far away. And this might have been the problem with the people of Israel. They looked at the land and go, I don't want to go all the way up there. Look how far that is. I don't want to go up there. It's too far. We get tired. The battles are too tough. And we think we have enough. We think we have enough. If I have enough. I'm okay. I can get by, and that's what they were doing. Actually, these seven tribes were sponging off of Ephraim, Manasseh, Reuben, Gad, and Judah. They were living in their tribes. And these tribes are going, hey, you guys got to get out of here. Company after three days smells like fish, right? You got to get out of here. You got to move on. I'm sorry. Get out of here. You guys got to go. That's what they're doing. So they come up with a new plan. Joshua comes up with a new plan, and that's where we are, finally. In 4 through 10, it says, Pick out from among you three men from each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey it according to the inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory to the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory to the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose to go the way, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go, Walk through the land, survey it, come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went, passed through the land, and wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities, and they came to Joshua at the camps in Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord, and there Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. So they finally do that. He says, three guys from each tribe. So 21 guys come, and he goes, okay. We're going to put all your math skills to work. All those times, you know, you're in Hebrew school and you didn't want to learn when you were being taught. Now we're going to put all those skills to work. Go out and measure the land. And come back and then we'll cast lots for it. Remember, at this time, casting lots was a way of determining the Lord's will. According to the Bible, it was a way of determining the Lord's will. And they were casting lots. But the Lord had already determined whose was getting what land. It's pretty cool. So we see this. They have a new system. They go. They look at the cities. They look at the landmarks. And they go, and they come back, and they start to divide the land. And upon their return, they give Joshua the information, and he casts lots, and they're assigned land. For the rest of the chapter now, we have the land of Benjamin. Now remember, Benjamin is a full brother to who? Joseph. Benjamin is Joseph's full brother. All the others were half-brothers because they had the same father. Benjamin and Joseph's mother was Rachel. Rachel. Joseph and Benjamin's mother was Rachel. So, the land of Benjamin, he gets a pretty choice plot. Although it's squeezed in there, he's right between Ephraim and Judah. He's stuck in the middle there got this little parcel of land. Now the lot and the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. That was Ephraim, remember? Ephraim and Manasseh. Their border on the north side began at the Jordan and the border went up the side of Jericho to the north and went up through the mountains westward. and ended in the wilderness of Beth-Avon. The border went over from there towards Lot's. And the side of Loz, which is Bethel, southward, and the border descended upon Arath, Adar, near the hill that lies to the south side of lower Beth-Horam. This is very important to them. Then the border extended around the west side of the south from the hill that lies before Beth-Horam, southward. And it ended at Kirjeth Baal, which is Kirjeth Jerum, a city of the children of Judah. This was on the west side. The south side began at the end of kiljef Jerem, and the border extended on the west and went out to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah. The border came down to the end of the mountain that lies before the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is in the valley of Rephim. On the north, descended to the valley of Hinnom to the side of the Jebusite city on the south and descended in En-Rogal. And it went around to the north, went out to En-Shemesh, and extended towards Gilaloth which is before the ascent of Adamin, and descended on the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. Then it passed along the north to Arabah and went down to Arabah. And then the border passed along the north side of Beth-Hogla. Then the border ended at the North Bay at the Salt Sea at the south end of Jordan. This was the southern boundary. The Jordan was its border east side. This was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin, according to its boundaries all around, according to their families." And then he goes and lists all the cities there in verses 21 through 28. And you can read those for yourself. But there's some interesting things there. Interesting things there. As you study the history of Israel, we see that Judah and Ephraim were always rivals. Look who was smashed in between them. Brother Ben. He smashed into between them, and he spent most of his life like this. Okay, guys, settle down. He was kind of like the peacemaker. He was probably the smallest tribe. He was probably the smallest tribe. They list 26 names here, and you can look at them, and you can glean some pretty cool things. Jericho was there, but remember, Jericho was completely dismantled. And there was a curse to whomever would build Jericho up. Well, remember, we studied that it was built up and that curse came into effect. They had Gilgal. And again, this is where Israel again encamped when Saul was made king in 1 Samuel. But it became a very profane case. Hosea 9.15 said all the wickedness is in Gilgal. Bethel was in the tribe, which is a famous place. We talked about that. And though Benjamin adhered to the house of David, yet Bethel, it seems, was in possession of the house of Joseph. Jeroboam set up his caves there. Then there was the tribe of Gideon, Gibba, likewise Mizbah, Samuel's Ebenezer, and also Anathoth, Jeremiah's cities, etc., etc. Who do you know, besides King Saul, was possibly the most famous Benjamite? The Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, born of the tribe of Benjamin. Philippians 3, the apostle Paul was a Benjamite. So, what can we learn from this? What can we glean from it? Each tribe was given exactly the portion of the land that the Lord wanted to give them. The land was given to them by the Lord. And although they went out and they surveyed it and they cast lots... The lot fell on exactly what the Lord had intended to give to them. It was God's gift to them. It was a custom-made deal. Where am I going with this? The Lord has a custom plan for each of our lives. There is a custom plan. That plan, that life, has been particularly chosen for each one of us. I can't have your life and you can't have mine. We should not look to exchange We should not think that one person's life is better than another in the Lord's eyes, those of us that have believed in Jesus Christ, because it's not. Because we've all been given every spiritual blessing through Christ Jesus. We've all been given an inheritance in Christ Jesus. But this life that he has chosen is particularly for us. And it's according to God's good pleasure. He has an exciting plan for you being filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we then need to possess and claim that which the Lord has purposed and given to you. We need to possess it and claim it. We should say each day, Lord, what is your plan today? You know, every day I get up and I try to make some sort of list of my things to do. Some days it's like this, some days it's like this. But I always try to sit before the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, this is my list. What would you have me do today? What is your plans? You know that in Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. The Lord is directing our steps. And how many times the Lord has changed our plans? How many times I've been doing something when the Lord has put something before me that needed more attention or something else? Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. We need to be flexible to what the Lord would do in our lives. Sometimes I'm not sensitive to what God wants me to do. Sometimes I'm in such a rush to get something done that I miss something that he has for me. Because I don't stop to hear him. And I go bullying forward when he's wanting me to go another way. Sometimes that's not good and becomes disastrous. Sometimes I end up falling on my face and scraping my nose because I hadn't waited for the Lord to direct me. If you're open to the Lord and you're asking Him to lead you, if I'm going someplace wrong, stop me. Everything we do here, we pray about. And we give it to the Lord saying, Lord, if this is not of you, close the door. We don't want it. You shouldn't want that in your life either if it's not of the Lord. You shouldn't want it. So I devise things in my heart. God directs my steps. And that's what I want anyhow. Because Jesus' beautiful prayer in the garden is not my will, but your will. It's God's will that we want. I want to fulfill his purposes, not my purpose. God can stop me move me out of the way, do whatever he needs to do. He can interrupt me at any time and he will direct my steps. How do I know that? How does that happen? Because the victorious Christian is in constant communication with our God. That dialogue that we have, the dialogue called prayer, the dialogue of speaking to him and waiting for him to speak to you through his spirit and guide you and lead you. It's a constant communication thing. And that's what we have. And that's part of the victorious Christian life. And all these things we've been studying all the way through the book of Joshua lead us to a victorious life that God has for us. God had a wonderful, wonderful life for the Israelites. He had it all mapped out. He had it all planned. If they would have only done what he asked them to do if they'd only done what he had asked them to do. But they didn't. They didn't do it. So he sent prophets among them to tell them. But they didn't heed the prophets. They didn't heed the prophets' warnings. They killed them. And he had to get harsh with them. He had to take them away into captivity. He had to do horrible things and allow horrible things to happen to them because they wouldn't listen to God. We need to listen to our God and follow Him as best as we can. Seek the Lord. Ask your brothers and sisters to pray. Ask for help. Ask, and we can move together through this. The one thing neat about the Christian life, you're not in it by yourself. God has not left us as orphans, praise the Lord. He has left us with a Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into all truth, To help us and to be our guide. Our Indian chief that leads the way. He's our guide. He leads the path. He shows us. We need to trust in him. And know that God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us. Just like he did for Israel. We can learn so much from them. We can learn so much from reading his word. And how he dealt with each and every one of them. Oh, God still loves them! There's a remnant that was saved, and God will deal with the rest of them come the the tribulation period. They're still the apple of God's eye. He loves them very much. But because of their disobedience, we've been granted salvation through Jesus Christ.
0: The Book of Joshua details the Israelites' journey into the land promised them by God, and the various adventures they encountered along the way. Through it all, one thing is clear. God keeps his promises and protects his people. Pastor Dave Schenck will continue to teach through this Old Testament book on the next edition of Cape Watch Radio. But in the meantime, we'd like to direct you to our website at capewatchradio.com. Listen to an archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave or download and share them with your friends and family. You can also subscribe to Cape Watch Radio by searching on iTunes. Take biblical teaching with you wherever you go. It's a great way to add spiritual teaching to your already busy life. While we're so blessed to be able to bring you verse-by-verse studies straight from God's Word, we hope this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible impresses upon us the importance of community and the need to find a church family to help you grow in your walk with God. If you haven't found a church home and are in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We meet to worship our Creator and study more deeply the guidance He's given us in the Bible. For our address and directions, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Or visit our website at capewatchradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to join us again for more on Cape Watch Radio.